Right now, climate action lacks critical political support. For example, while 90% of Democrats believe the federal government isn't doing enough on climate change, only 39% of Republicans do, according to a Pew Research study. With climate change being such a polarizing issue, it is important that people hear different perspectives about how to approach it. Here today is Nate Hawkman, a senior at Colorado College and media spokesman for Citizens Climate Lobby, a nonpartisan organization aiming to build bipartisan support across the United States for climate policies. We hope he offers a perspective that both illuminates the conservative view towards climate action and raises awareness for bipartisanship on environmentalism. Welcome to Operation Climate, the one-stop shop for environmental issues that matter to Duke and Durham community members. We're a podcast run by Duke University students aiming to inform and empower Duke at large to create lasting change in the fight against climate change and environmental degradation. This season, we're focusing on climate activism and activism in general. Hello, everyone. I'm Richard Jagatia with Ryan Liu, and we're joined by Nate Hawkman, a person who is affiliated with Citizens Climate Lobby. Nate, we're so glad you're here. Um, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, so I'm Nate. I'm a senior at Colorado College this year. Uh, and I'm a, as you mentioned, I'm a conservative fellow with the Citizens Climate Lobby, which is a, um, you know, this sort of big tent organization lobbying for carbon dividends, mostly. And uh, one of the, the, the really amazing things about CCL and the reason that I'm involved with them is that they're really interested in doing outreach to more conservative communities, traditionally Republican constituencies, to try to make the case for, uh, you know, the necessity of bipartisan climate efforts, specifically as it pertains to coalescing around um, this bill, uh, that, which is, you know, attempting to price carbon. Um, and my job is to, you know, do advocacy in a variety of different ways, go on podcasts like this one. Um, write articles for a variety of different, you know, conservative outlets uh, to make the case for more broadly just the the idea that conservatives need to care more about climate change, but also more specifically the fact that carbon pricing is the market based conservative pro capitalist solution to climate change. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I love doing it, and uh, it's uh, been really productive so far. So awesome! That sounds great. Climate activism itself is a bit of a hot button term. Do you consider yourself a climate activist? And if not, why? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, it, on, on one level, there's no, there's really no other way to describe what I do besides activism, at least, you know, as it, as it pertains to CCL, right? I mean, maybe a climate advocate might be a better term. I don't do a lot of sort of organizing. I don't go to a lot of protests and marches, um, you know, not necessarily because I have any sort of inherent dislike of, of, of the concept of a, you know, a protest or a march, but just because I'm not very organized, not particularly uh, good at, um, at, at sort of being productive in, in, in those contexts. Um, but I'm certainly someone who is invested in the political process in an activist way. Um, you know, trying to create change or, or, or you know, or produce a, a sort of a different outcome than the one we're getting right now, specifically within Republican circles. So, um, it would, wouldn't really make sense for me to eschew the sort of climate activist title, even though when the average person in American politics thinks of climate activism, they probably think of someone who is diametrically opposed to my general worldview in a lot of really fundamental ways. Yeah. And just on this topic of climate activism, um, like we're all college students. It seems like there's a certain stigma around protests and organizing, um, especially skewed towards the left. So I just wanted to know as a college student, what have you noticed about the culture of climate change activism 
on your campus or at least in college in general? Um, do you think there's anything particularly alienating to conservatives? And I mean, if you want to elaborate on that. Yeah, I mean, there is a, there is a lot that's alienating to conservatives. And, you know, before sort of expanding on, you know, the, the real reasons that I think are, are uh, le- legitimate reasons to criticize the sort of activist environmentalist left, it's worth, you know, stipulating that, you know, conservatives have pretty major flaws in the in the realm of climate change, too. Right. I, there are real reasons that, you know, they feel alienated from the environmentalist left, but, um, you know, Republicans and, and, and conservatives, you know, still have to sort of broadly get on board with the idea that climate change is even an issue. Right. So there's some responsibility on the part of conservatives to actually, um, you know, take the idea more seriously. With that being said, it's, much, it's, it's pretty difficult for a lot of Republicans, particularly older Republicans, to even think of climate change as an issue that is something they should care about because the face of environmentalism and the climate movement is, you know, for better or for worse, the Sunrise Movement and AOC and Bernie Sanders um, and the Green New Deal and uh, these this sort of campus activist class of people that we're all familiar with. And, you know, I'm, I, have, I have friends who are sort of in that demographic, um, but are legitimately uh, and um, a lot of them, I think, would self identify this way, radicals in important ways, right? Who are really pushing for um, broad systemic transformation um, in a lot of ways that, you know, I as a conservative and, you know, a lot of other Republicans find uh, sort of directly contradictory to the sort of fundamental ideas we have about social policy, you know, size of government, all these different things. Um, and sort of my project as a, as a conservative out- outreach fellow is to make the case that it doesn't have to be that way, right? That we can embrace common sense climate solutions that can be broadly palatable to a large swath of people from across the political spectrum. But the sort of Green New Dealers often actively make my job much more difficult um, in insisting on the sort of intersectional climate justice approach, which uh, posits that you can't have any type of climate solution that doesn't more broadly embrace a sort of transformative progressive agenda. So one of CCL's slogans is getting people to like the quote unquote far middle. Can you explain a little more about this concept and how it can be implemented to climate change progress, especially as you just mentioned about the increasing partisan divide? Yeah, that's one of the things I love about CCL, right? And to a certain extent, um, it's what I was sort of just talking about, which is this idea that there is nothing inherent about climate change and about, you know, potential solutions to climate change that has to be left wing or right wing. Now, there is a change in government policy, and that means expansion of government in some key areas. It actually also, um, and this is the part that my progressive friends often have have trouble sort of getting their heads around, it means reduction of government in other areas, right? It means uh, deregulation of important um, parts of the nuclear sector. So we can see innovation in nuclear, which is the most productive by far clean energy source. Um, You know, there's there's a variety of different things the government is doing right now that is actually hurting the effort against climate change. So um, there are parts that will be equal parts sort of uh, attractive and um, perhaps skepticism causing for both the left and the right uh, in a sort of comprehensive bipartisan climate endeavor. Um, But the first step, which is definitely not where we are in American politics today, is building that comprehensive bipartisan climate coalition. And that's what CCL is trying to do. And I think it's exactly the right approach. And it's why I think the sort of um, much more sort of take no prisoners, no compromise 
generally far left approach sponsored by people like the Sunrise Movement is so counterproductive because in many ways it is diametrically opposed to an idea of building a broad centrist, for lack of a better word, climate coalition that, you know, Americans of all different political stripes can see themselves in, right? It's insisting on attaching things like Medicare for all and abortion on demand and, you know, these other very, very controversial hot button topics to, you know, what is at least in a narrow sense, just trying to reduce carbon emissions, right? I mean, you can, you can have real legitimate debates about climate justice, what that means, how climate change affects different sort of communities differently, those are real conversations that should be put on the table. But in the near term, right, what we really need to do is just start doing things uh, in a variety of different capacities to reduce carbon emissions. Um, and you can't do that if you're saying that you got to also pass Medicare for all, you know, alongside that. Yeah. And that just touches on one of the most important things I've realized in the climate movement is that a lot of people on the right just don't feel involved. They don't feel like they're a part of this. Um, so I just wondered, like, you have a unique perspective on this. You're conservative, but you're also in the climate change conversations and circles. What do you think are some of the barriers to support um, on climate change among conservatives? And what can conservatives do better to um, make climate change an issue that a lot of people can get around? Yeah, I mean, it's a really important question. And I think, um, you know, like I said earlier, there are things that it's just on conservatives to sort out, right? There are just things that conservatives are, are really bad at and need to solve themselves on climate change. And there's also things the left is doing that are counterproductive and that they could do better if they actually are interested in building a broad sort of climate majority. Um, so, you know, the, the problem is that climate change one of the interesting things that I always find really interesting is in the 90s, um, by some measurements, Republicans were more likely than Democrats to accept the climate science, right? That's sort of shocking now for our generation who grew up in the, the era, we came in political age and political consciousness when climate change was a you know starkly partisan issue, but it didn't used to be that way in you know relatively recent memory. Um, so the problem is it became a culture war issue over the course of the last couple of decades. And it's been associated for better or worse um, with this sort of more broad, culturally liberal um, political philosophy, worldview. And progressives haven't helped that by sort of actively making the issue of climate change indistinguishable from sort of the larger sort of progressive agenda, right? Um, and and in, often sort of insisting on it being part of a larger progressive agenda, right? It makes it much more difficult for Republicans and conservatives to separate the two in their minds. Um, you know, with that being said, there's also just been an increasingly sort of stupid, stubborn resistance in the part of Republican circles based on the fact that it is a culture war issue, right? And there are enemies and they care about that, which means we shouldn't care about that, right? This sort of knee-jerk instinctual reaction, um, which on one level is understandable, but is not justifiable in any real sense, right? And in order to sort of, um, you know, part of this is just the nature of partisan polarization. It's just what's going to happen in a polarized country. Um, but that doesn't make it okay. You know, and that's something that uh, conservative media has not helped with, right? Um, in, in, in important ways, Republican politicians and Republican elites haven't helped with either. So what is... COVID-19 demonstrated about climate change and what can we learn from the pandemic in terms of drafting policy and achieving this bipartisan support that we need? Yeah, it's another good question. I mean, in one sort of just basic sense, uh, we have sort of seen a rapid decline in um, global emissions from the developed world, right? And that's 
obviously, uh, you know, just the sort of top level thing to take away from it is like that happened. Um, now it happened at the expense of massive human pain and suffering, right? Like, so we shouldn't be sort of celebrating that on its face, right? Because it's not worth it, you know, in, in, in an important sense to have millions and millions of people dying and, you know, millions more, you know, families going through heartache and suffering, um, you know, people losing jobs, massive economic destruction um, at the at the sort of expense of, of, uh, of lowering global temperatures. Um, but it is sort of like in, in, in some ways it's, it's not an opportunity for a reset because we're still producing carbon emissions, but I think it's a, it's a really good opportunity to actually step back and sort of look at things from a new perspective rather than sort of being stuck in the way we're going and evaluating, you know, as we come out of this, what we, we could be doing that we weren't doing before that's productive in, in this sense. Now that's a pretty cliche answer. Uh, I think the sort of Biden teams like build back better slogan is, is also very cliche, but in one, in one sense, it's a, it's a real aspiration, right? And it's particularly in this sense, I think, which is um, we do have not a clean slate to start from, but a much cleaner slate than most human societies have sort of gotten in a very long time um, to sort of think about, what sort of society we want to be in terms of climate, you know, policy going forward. Um, and, you know, my hope, the optimistic takeaway, right, is that there, that will present all types of new opportunities that wouldn't have happened were it not for this really tragic pandemic that we've been struggling with. Um, and, you know, hopefully that, that presents uh, sort of new opportunities for us to work on climate policy. Yeah. And I guess one of the most interesting, I things I've noticed is that um, if you look at the disagreement between Democrats and Republicans, it's often that Democrats want to build more than just COVID policy, but try to achieve um, like the means to educational opportunities and other aspects of public policy through COVID legislation. And I feel like this debate also, like, as you mentioned, um, happens in climate change. Like, are we going to decide whether um, we're going to embrace structural change as a lot of Democrats say, or are we going to focus on reducing emissions? Um, but as Democrats would argue, perhaps leave behind the questions that we need to answer. And that's just a debate that I feel like is going to guide us for a long time. Uh, you give me a lot of hope, Nate, because I really hope that <laughs> at some point we're going to come together, but it's just interesting that these questions are going to loom around us for so long. Yeah. And I think to a certain extent, right, they're, they're never going to go away because that is the nature of political disagreements in a diverse multi-ethnic um, democracy, right? You know, that's, this is always what American politics has looked like. We are a sort of a rowdy, uh, dynamic, um, you know, complex society where people disagree really strongly about everything. Um, and to hope that that, you know, we're particularly polarized now, certainly, we've been more polarized than, than we are now throughout our history, but you know, that is never going to go away to a certain extent. And I think, you know, with that understanding, we should look for places where we can compromise on something like climate understanding that, like you said, we're never going to agree on everything. Right. The, the idea of like a broader structural change on top of climate action, right? Like that's certainly something we're going to disagree about, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue sort of commonsensical bipartisan climate policies. And I'm hopeful. I really am. You know, I'm not just saying that, that, um, you know, this next generation of up and coming conservatives uh, is much more invested in the idea of climate change as a real issue. Um, and that'll hopefully present cool new opportunities for, for uh, comprehensive solutions. Just one last question. What exactly does activism mean to you? It's a good question. Well, you know, it's like I said before, it is, um, 
something that has for a lot of conservatives, and I think not for completely illegitimate reasons, has some negative conceptions attached to it. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll sort of give you a cop-out answer, which is I think that the, the, the label that I prefer to think of when I think about sort of a conservative approach to what someone on the left might call activism is stewardship. Activists, advocates, stewards, whatever you want to refer to, you know, young, energetic people who are invested in the political process. Um, I think the the way that we should think about sort of the way that we're working in our communities is as stewards, right? Is as taking the things that we love about our communities and want to project and preserve and pass on to future generations and trying to make sure that those are cultivated in, in productive ways um, rather than thinking first and foremost of the sort of changes that we want to foist onto, uh, onto, you know, specific communities. So, um, I, I think that the way that conservatives think about politics, and this is certainly true of conservatives who are invested in environmentalism is, is as stewardship. Well, Nate, thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad we could steal a little bit of your time um, to talk about climate change and COVID-19. Yeah. Thanks so much guys. That was fun. As Nate showed, conservatives and liberals may never agree about how exactly to address climate change and whether incremental, reformative change, or broader, systemic change is necessary. However, we can all agree that establishing bipartisanship is crucial to any climate action. We encourage you to check out Nate Hockman's piece, Toward a Conservative Environmentalism, in the National Review. The article will be linked in our description below. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Operation Climate and make sure to subscribe to stay updated on future episodes. For more information on who we are, what we're doing, and a full transcript of this episode, visit our website at bit.ly slash Operation Climate Podcast to learn more. I'm Richard Jagatia with Ryan Liu. See you next time.